You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Fredrik Rönlund, the COO at Lidu. So I mean, the numbers in itself, if you don't understand the core business and what's driving them, don't really say anything at all. We're back to bring you another episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. And even if it's a hectic time in, because we have the SAS 2021 conference coming up in just four weeks, we still managed to record another podcast episode. And uh, this is a lot thanks to our guest today that actually uh, pitched this episode for us. And we are very happy about that. Definitely. Frederick Renlund from uh, Lidu actually pitched uh, the idea and the topic to us in uh, the community, in the Slack channel. And he did a really good pitch and, and there was no way for us to say no to it. So uh, today we're actually talking about the board, the role of the board in a SaaS company. And Frederick sits on four different boards, plus he's operational. So it's a really good chat that we have ahead of us here. Absolutely. And just a reminder, if you don't have your tickets yet to the Sassiest conference, you can go to sassiest.com and get them there. And um, there's also options if you want uh, group tickets that you can email contact at sassnordic.com and we can give you a discounted price if you are three people or more. Uh, with that said, let's go and talk to Frederick. Let's do it. Today, we are very happy to have Fredrik Rönlund, the Chief Operating Officer at Lido, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Fredrik. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. Hey, it's great to have you here, Fredrik. And uh, I think we have a really exciting episode ahead of us. Actually, Thomas and I cannot take any credit for this episode because it was your idea. So we really appreciate <laughs> you, 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 you reaching out to us for this. So Thank you, Daniel, for, for taking the pressure off yourself and putting it all on my shoulders here in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but you had a really good pitch. And to anyone out there, if you do a really good job and you have something really interesting to say, we might just take you uh, on the show. But we don't do it with everyone. So, But this time, Frederick, why don't you start with telling us a bit about yourself? All right. So it's... Probably really hard to condense myself into two minutes, but I'll, I'll try shortly. So uh, I have a double master's degree if we start from the education part, one in computer engineering and another one in economics. Um, I founded my own company back in the days that and did a small exit on that one uh, online booking company called Digital Booker that we sold to Visma. And uh, sort of after that worked... Uh, Mostly in, in sales and marketing uh, tasks and, and responsibility areas in high-tech companies. Uh, first at a company called Vaadin, which did um, user interface technology, mostly for like uh, really large companies, Fortune 500 companies and so forth. Uh, spent a couple of years in the US in Silicon Valley with that. And uh, then currently... Uh, my main uh, time goes to a company called Lidu, a marketing technology company uh, based out of Finland, but operational in, in Sweden and uh, the UK, the Netherlands and Spain as, as well. But sort of that, that was sort of uh, my background. But you mentioned the pitch that I sent. The pitch that I sent basically was that it would be interesting to 
to talk a little bit more, more about board uh, positions and sort of board's attribution to SaaS companies as well. Yeah, absolutely. But before that, you know, when we check your background, you have been the CEO, you have been VP of sales, VP of marketing. Now you're COO and interim CFO. The only thing missing is a CTO or CPO. Yes. <laughs> I have developed something back in the day. So I, I started programming and when I was 14 or 15 and I did b- built some text adventure games during that time and, and distributed those in bulletin board systems before the internet. And, and it was fun times. But that's basically my background in, in sort of developing anything real. So you have that part as well. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm the right person that, for that kind of task. There are much, much better people than me. Okay. And now, as you mentioned, you also do a lot of board work. So maybe you can tell us about uh, that a little bit. Uh, yes. So I'm currently on four boards. So uh, I'm the chairman at, at Lidu. So... Um, so Lido is a marketing technology company, as I as I mentioned. Maybe a short intro of, of the companies that I work with as well. So uh, the problem that Lido solves is that traffic to your website is becoming more and more expensive because more and more people and, and companies are competing about the same keywords. At the same time, retargeting is becoming more expensive or harder thanks to GDPR and third-party cookies being phased away and, and so forth. So what Lido helps is helps you convert more of the traffic that actually comes to your site. So we can help our customers on average uh, convert 30 to 70% more leads. Uh, Kundo, a Swedish company, uh, chairman there as well. So we solve the problem that customer support comes, uh, customer requests come through very many different channels. So I might send a company an email, you might send them a chat message, a third person might send them a forum message, a fourth person sends them a Facebook message. So keeping this uh, all in control, seeing where the messages come from and answering them in time and even having some machine learning and AI to help you answer faster, that's what Kunda does. Uh, The third company I'm on the board of is is called Mirador. So Mirador is a mobile device management uh, uh, software. So the problem they are solving, which is basically created more and more by the bring your own own device to work uh, sort of uh, trend and the work from home trend, thanks to COVID as well, uh, is that that companies can see that what devices do we have? Do they have the latest security patches, the firewall settings and so forth? And can we do swipe the devices if they are stolen and, and, and disappear and so forth? So, so one solution to manage your entire sort of fleet of devices. And the fourth company I'm on the board of is called Bonalive uh, Biomaterials. Uh, basically what they do, this is the only non-SaaS company that I'm working with and, and they do uh, microbial, um, so microbial resistance to antibiotics is a big problem in the world. World and what Bonalive does is is helps um, uh, their solution uh, helps uh, create an environment where if you do a bone surgery, the material itself works as building material for the bone, and at the same time it, cr- it creates an environment where uh, microbials cannot uh, survive anymore. So. Antimicrobial resistance is a huge problem in the world. It's expected to be a big, big, much larger problem than COVID is in the in the in the future. So we need solutions that don't use antibiotics. All right. So how how do you end up in a board in a non SaaS company? Was what's the story behind that? I think 
I think all of these are combination of, of luck and uh, skill and uh, being in the right place at the right time and, and perhaps showing that you know something about uh, uh, internationalization. So my skill set, if you could say that, has been in, in building companies that go international. And, and sort of all of these have are sort of on the same journey today. They're roughly in the same size of 5 to 10 million uh, turnover and uh, all have the product market fit. Bonalive also had the product market fit for very long and sort of scaling it even even faster right now. Okay, excellent. I think um, before we jump into the nitty-gritty here, the, the, the role of the, the board members, uh, for the people that don't know they do prior to this conversation. Can you help us shed some light and, and tell us a little bit about the size of the operation? So what's your ARR? Uh, how many customers you have, employees, where you guys are operational? You already mentioned a couple of countries. Just so we, we get uh, some some perspective on things here. Yeah, we're a little bit shy of 5 million in ARR, maybe uh, 4 or something like that at the moment. Uh, we are, I think, 60 people or so, give or take. Uh, based in, in Finland, in Sweden, um, the UK in, and uh, Spain at the moment. We also have a development uh, team in the in the Ukraine. But those are sort of the locations. Customer-wise, I think we are around 800 or something like that at the moment. So is it a lot of inbound and self-service or do you work a lot with outbound sales? What does that look like? So the company has actually, the recipe for success for the company has been a very strong outbound sales team. And that sort of has helped us to test the product in the market a lot faster. We have inbound. Uh, inbound is, is uh, tens of percentages today. We are building uh, that and it's growing very nicely at the moment. But our strength and the majority of our business has come through outbound. And how much uh, money have you raised for the company? Uh, on the top of my mind, uh, I think three plus eight million, if I don't recall completely. All right. And uh, how much do you own of the company? Uh, I have. Uh, I am not a founding member of the company. A few percentages I cannot remember directly. Okay. I, <laughs> you cannot remember now, but maybe one day you will count the the percentages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably. If, if it, and when it gets sold, then the, the counting happens. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's when it matters. Excellent. No, really good. Thanks for that. So um, let's jump into the nitty-gritty here and why you also approached us to discuss the role of the board and the board members and, and how that interacts with the CEO, with the rest of the company and also outside. So if we try to, to cement this from your perspective, Frederick, what is the role of the board in a SaaS company? So maybe I should divide the answer into two parts. So what is the role of, of a board and what, what's specific with the SaaS business model itself? So if we to look at the pure sort of legal aspect of, of it, then the role of the board is to watch after the owner's agenda. And the tool set of the board is quite limited. You can you can you're you're the one who cements the the strategy and your your tool set is basically hiring and firing the ceo if you look at like a don draper 1960s kind of world have you done that have you done the hire and fire operation we have yes i've been involved in those and and actually all of these four companies none of them starting from the beginning of next month the fourth also is going to have a non-founder ceo 
So that happens, I, I can see that happening quite often after companies reach a certain stage as well. So, But sort of uh, the original question from Daniel, uh, so um, what is the role of the, the board? I think it has um, evolved um, a lot in the last 20 years in the same time frame that SaaS as a business has, has uh, evolved as well. And it's evolved into moving from a reporting uh, mechanism. So, so previously, uh, and this still, of course, is a very important uh, role still is, is that the board knows what's happening inside the company. It's moved from, from that one into more of a, uh, previously a ball plank. So the CEO asks something, or maybe the summer leadership team asks something. I really hate the word ball plank because if you throw a ball at a plank, it immediately comes back. You don't really get anything from it. So it's involved into more of a collaboration and sort of uh, the boards being really operational at, at, uh, at most times and really, really understanding the business. Uh, as well and, and sort of uh, everybody on the board has a specific skill set and bring something to the table and sort of work together uh, with the team very closely. Mm. And from that perspective then, how important is it to have board members that really understand and know and probably have worked in a SaaS business themselves? Because there's still a lot of professional board members that they might be good at numbers, but they've never ran a SaaS business. Yeah, I think the answer also depends on what stage the company is. If you're like, if you don't have the product market fit, you don't probably need a board, a professional board yet at all. And uh, after that, when it comes to scaling and understanding the SaaS, I, I think it's very important to have SaaS knowledge. I mean, understanding the numbers alone, you can't really understand the numbers if you don't understand the business. Like, like a simple metric like LTV CAC. One of the companies I'm working with has an LTV CAC of two, another one has 10. Is the other one five times better than the other one? You No, it's not. Uh, the, the answer depends on how do you define lifetime value? What is the lifetime? Have you calculated it based on uh, churning logos, churning MRR? Are you basing it uh, on what the average uh, monthly fee is right now or what it was in the last 12 months? Uh, what is the customer acquisition cost? Is it a fully loaded CAC with all salary cost? Maybe there's some operational cost inside of it. So, I mean, the numbers in itself, if you don't understand the core business and what's driving them, don't really say anything at all. And that's why you have to normalize the numbers. And there's very good VCs and different analysts that really go through it and normalize the numbers so that they are comparable. But in order to compare them, you really have to understand the numbers. And uh, numbers is, of course, I mean, just a minute part of understanding SaaS. Mostly it's about understanding the business, how subscription business really contributes to lifetime value over time and how customer acquisition cost really works and what, what gross margin sort of plays in that. Are we including that in LTV CAC and, and so forth? So I would say that SaaS as a business is a, it's a unicorn business. It creates unicorns much faster than any other business, but it's, it's a unicorn business in itself as well that you have to really understand SaaS to be in SaaS. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think if we flip that around and if I'm somebody running my, my, my SaaS company and you alluded a little bit to it, like what am I looking for when I'm going out there to build my first professional board? Is there some silver bullet and say like, this is what you need, Daniel? Um, I think sort of uh, 
I would answer it by the same way as you are building your team as well. You are building an extended team in a way. I mean, otherwise you build it underneath yourself and this way on top of yourself. But I mean, it doesn't really matter. And that's sort of an old way of looking at it. You have a certain set of skill sets that your company is really good at, and that's your core knowledge. And then you perhaps want to expand that core knowledge into something that you don't have have yet. That's when you need sort of, a, let's say that you need financial expertise and you don't have that, or you need somebody with a very strong international mindset or somebody with like very strong R&D background and you might not sort of have it inside your team. You might partner with somebody and you might sort of build it inside. So it's basically a question of build and buy and higher inside the board. So I think there's a third alternative if it's because uh, those those guys are really the board's role is to really mentor the rest of the team, especially the CEO. So, so if you look at the the board in Lido where you're the chairman, what different competence do you have there, and what different roles are are the board members playing? Very good question, and I think this works as a very nice example. So, so uh, we have one of our VCs sitting on the board. Uh, he brings a whole lot of business acumen, uh, knowledge, industry knowledge, SaaS knowledge from working with many different companies they have invested into and uh, sort of helps us cross-pollinate and get information uh, through that. My role is, is, is more on the SaaS side and, and sort of having built scalable business models previously. And then uh, the third person on the board uh, is... Uh, in the markets, marketing space uh, has a huge network and has been building companies, exiting companies and, and has sort of knowledge from there. And then we have the founder on the board as well. So the composition there really sort of uh, brings everything together that we need in the company today. It, probably not what we need one year from now or five years from now, but today it works. Okay, because I was also thinking about you being the boss of your boss. I mean, if you're a COO, you answer to the CEO, but you're also the chairman. Uh, is that an interesting uh, sort of... Um, it for sure is. Uh, it for sure is. <laughs> uh, it's something that needs to be fixed at, 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 at some time, for, for sure. I mean, there is a conflict there. Yeah, okay. But because I guess it's, it's all about what stage you're in as a company, how, how big you are, and so on, so... SAS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer -peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. Hey, Frederick, can you talk a little bit to, uh, because you said, obviously, the board is there to support predominantly the CEO and, and, and the business to further accelerate and grow. This support, in, in what shape and form does this come? You know, obviously, we know there is once a quarter or whatever the frequency is, there's a board meeting. But is that it? What happens in between? Tell us. On all of these boards, we meet almost once per month. I mean, sometimes even more often, we have a very active WhatsApp channel in, in almost all of these boards as well. So, I mean, it's much more operational than once per quarter. Once per quarter probably works in non-SaaS companies, but SaaS companies specifically when they're sort of scaling up, um, there's a lot of questions that you want help with 
and uh, that need to be solved in, in recruitment or HR, things that you haven't really thought about even that might turn into challenges that, that somebody on the board then has lots of more experience from than, than the CEO or, or somebody else on the leadership team might have. So okay. Interesting. I wonder if um, the boards at my previous empl- employers have a, a WhatsApp channel. <laughs> I, I think I need to look into that. I mean, I, I'm sure it has changed in uh, sort of, let, let's like a stock list exchange companies as well. They are probably a little bit behind the trend of, of sort of being very operational, but I know many stories of stock exchange listed companies where the board is very, very operational and very, very active as well. So I'm, I'm sure it's changing uh, over there as well. Yeah, and, and also when we try to plan this interview yesterday, evening you had a board meeting tomorrow evening i know you have another one yes. so <laughs> it seems to take a lot of your time i mean it takes a lot of evenings and and that's sort of a lifestyle question that that where what, what do you want to spend your life life on i mean this is perhaps a little bit beside the point but i've never seen a work life balance as a problem because I mean, work is a part of life why should i separate it if i separate it then i have a then i have a, a created a problem for myself so, and I think this is sort of, uh, I'm networking quite a lot with different board members as well in different companies. We have very sort of uh, active networks. I was at the event uh, the day before yesterday as well. And uh, um, this is the choice of many board members today. This is a very nice way to learn new things, cross-pollinate from different companies. You learn a lot more than only sitting in your own company because you can see so many companies at the same time. Yeah, you mentioned that that uh, it has been very rewarding for you uh, working with board. So, can you just, from a personal point of view, tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yes, I mean, um, having built my own company in the beginning, I learned a lot about how to build the product market fit, and then having scaled uh, a quite large company as well on the sales marketing uh, side, I learned a lot from that. But I think there is a bias of one in both of these stories. I only seen one product market fit that I built. I've only seen one 10 year journey of, of uh, scaling up a, a company. But when I'm working with these four companies right now, I can sort of get rid of my bias. I think so, at least myself, that it's sort of uh, uh, learning to be unbiased and seeing the things that, hey, this worked in these two companies. Maybe there's a correlation between that. What kind of seniority do we need to bring in the company at this time? That maybe it's good to build up the competence in this case, because it seems to be working in like, like junior developers and senior developers. But if you need to scale inbound, you might want to take in senior expertise, somebody who has done it already previously as well. So these sort of small aha moments where you see correlations that previously only had a bias of one one example so yeah hey i was also a little bit curious there's been a little bit of debate about how much skin in the game the board members should have uh, i don't know what you, what your take on on this is and should they all also be to some extent owners or is it enough that they bring in their expertise and be that sounding board um I think it helps the company a lot if they buy into the company and, and be it then options or investment. I have invested in into all of the companies that I'm a part of uh, personally as well. And uh, personally as well, I think it sort of uh, binds the board members, but much be- better when you have the skin in the game. Uh, you use weekends, you use evenings 
to help the companies and and talk with the CEOs uh, late in the afternoons or left at, late at night and and so forth, because not only do you learn from it, but financially you have skin in the game as well. Yeah, and I think from from my perspective, at least what I've seen, like indirectly it drives some kind of a proactive behavior. When you have skin in the game, you're gonna have your ears and eyes open and see if. If you heard something about a potential partner, customer, something, you're going to be much more proactive. If, if you're just there as an advisor and bringing your knowledge, you're sitting there and waiting for the CEO to approach you and then you will address it. Uh, that, that's probably too, but there's another thing that also helps here. Um, that, and, and that is um, that uh, in most of these companies, if you're a board member who is not a VC, the VCs are always looking for what is the best composition of the board right now. So you have skin in the game by the fact that you want to continue to be there. So you want to contribute the best all, all the time as well. So there's sort of two factors. One is that, that you have skin in the game of money. And the other one is that you have, to, you have to and want to learn so that you can be on the journey in the future as well. Yeah. Hey, I've always been curious about this. Um, how much interaction does the board have on its own? without the CEO? Um, it depends on the company again. And uh, and, and I mean, uh, not when you're firing the CEO in general. No, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Those are not the fun parts now. Um, not as much. I mean, the majority happens together with the CEO because I mean, that is, I mean, as long as the collaboration with the CEO works, uh, we want the same thing with the CEO. We're just sort of have different titles, but we are working for the same goal. So, so there's very little, there are some like sanity things that you don't talk with the CEO, but those are very, very small. Like minute, mi it's like minutes compared to days or something like that. Um, I, I'm also always curious and, and no names mentioned, but if, if he hears this episode, he knows who he is. Uh, the dialogue between the CEO and the board, you know, like, of course, we all want full transparency because we're in this boat, but I've also seen that, um, and the joke I wanted to get to was, he, he had a statement that said, I treat my board like mushrooms. I feed them shit and keep them in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, have you seen this? Is this was this one-off experience I had, or is have you seen this a little bit resistance that ooh, maybe I can't tell my board everything? I've heard the same joke, but told about developers that that's how you that, that, that's a, that's a developer management strategy. <laughs> Throw shit at them and it grows or something like that. Some parts, I mean, CEOs at the end of the day are people. They know that their own sort of salary and job is on the line uh, there as well. Um, I think it's building trust. And this is a great segue to your previous question that you had about how many minutes do we spend without the CEO? Not very much. And trust is built by the fact that you can be transparent with the CEO so that the CEO can be transparent with you as well. At the end of the day, all problems are always people problems. So, so the, you cultivate a culture with the board that you want your CEO to have with the rest of the team as well. So transparency is quite key in that. So uh, in the pitch you made to us, you, you talked um, a little bit about bringing it down to the physics like Elon Musk and being an Elon Musk fanboy myself, that of course caught my attention. So uh, 
how do you apply this to SaaS? I think that's sort of a, a given in SaaS. I mean, I, we can see it in Silicon Valley more than in, in, in Europe even. And, and we don't have to go to Elon Musk or Steve Jobs even. It's like any SaaS company board or CEO wants to understand the business more. And I think that comes down to the facts. You know the saying that uh, that bring, building a startup is like jumping off a cliff and building an airplane before you hit the ground. And in order to be able to do that, you have to understand what brings the best ROI the fastest. Not only that, what brings ROI, that's easy, but the best ROI fastest, we have to build the fastest airplane the fastest before we hit the ground. And in order to do that, we have to understand the physics in sub supply chain, and we have to understand the physics in, in R&D, we have to understand what drives customer value, what helps us close deals faster, what helps us drive retention faster. It might be customer success processes, it might, it might be uh, feature sets in the product, But sort of getting down to the details instead of just looking at graphs and numbers, that's sort of a key in all of these. Interesting. So uh, I think it was very insightful to, to be able to ask you a lot of these questions about board membership. Uh, it's, it's always something that if you haven't been on the board, it's a little bit mysterious. So uh, thank you for opening up that Pandora's box for us a little bit here. But if we look in the future for Lidu, What, where will you? Where are you going? Uh, we are expanding hugely in in Sweden and the UK at the moment. So so going one market per market. We have a quite localized model, but at the same time we are uh, also maybe opening up other markets outside of of not going market by market. Uh, we are looking at very rapid growth. So instead of the rule of 40, we are looking at the triple, triple, double, double, double model. So we're really looking into growing, doubling our, our turnover every year. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically in a nutshell what we're doing at the moment without giving away too many secrets. <laughs> and, in, and in order to be successful with this triple, triple, double, double plan, what do you need? What are you looking for? Uh, of course, I mean, cliche, great people and who have done it before so that we don't have to make as many mistakes. We are going to be making mistakes, everybody does, but uh, experience helps us on the way. So looking for great people who have done parts of this before. Okay, looking for any particular role for the moment? I hear that you are the interim CFO. Is, is that sort of a clue what you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, uh, we already have somebody on the line to, to, to take that, that hat away from me very shortly. <laughs> But uh, I think more on, uh, on sales and marketing side is, is the main uh, recruitments that we're looking for. Excellent. So if anybody's interested in sales and marketing, they should reach out to you. Yes, please do. There you go. Excellent. It was it was great having you here on the show. Uh, and we always appreciate uh, guests with uh, great insights in particular topics. Is there anybody you would like to see on the show? So I already pitched to you that you have very awesome CEOs and COOs and founders and co-founders and maybe talk to board members. Uh, next step, I would like have more VCs maybe on the line even. And uh, I have, have a One name in mind, and that's Tom Hendrickson from Open Ocean Capital. I have huge respect for Tom, and I think he would have great war stories and insights as well. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And again, Frederick, really nice having you on the show. Thank you for contributing and looking forward to uh, follow you and the companies that you're involved with 
going forward. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas and Daniel, for having me on the show. Thank you, Frederick, and best of success now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Daniel, what's your takeaway after this episode? Lots of takeaways, and I really uh, appreciated the insights that, that Frederick shared with us. And if I would have to summarize it into one, uh, I appreciated his view on having uh, board members that maybe have different backgrounds and different industries and the cross-pollination type of exercise. It's, it's one thing if you've just seen one type of success for the same type of businesses and so on, but having that aspect from different type of businesses, maybe in different stages, and having that knowledge brought into your board was, was interesting to hear. What about you, Thomas? I think it must be the WhatsApp group. <laughs> and I mean, it's not just the WhatsApp group. It's more about, you know, the engagement of the board, that, that they are in close contact with all kinds of, of, of different aspects of um, what concerns the company. He mentioned recruitment. He mentioned a lot of other things. So I, I think having a board that is that engaged and active, and as we also talked about, probably have skin in the game as well is the way to success definitely definitely and if you're interested in continuing this conversation frederick will actually join us at sassiest and he will be joining us in some of the networking sessions and be there to have more chats about this so join us there join us there follow the linkedin page tell everyone about the podcast and the upcoming event and um, also, if you have a service that you think we can benefit from here at SAS Nordic, something that could make our life easier, then you can do like get accept and let us use your service for free. And you can get a shout out in the end of the episode. So thank you, get accept. Mm-hmm.